Well, I... Well, you can sit down. Yeah, 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 yeah. just relax, you know? Hey. This is your home, by the way. So, yeah, you can relax. Uh, we're going to take our offering right now. And I did bring a little devotional about offering because I like it. Um, it's just very quickly. Uh, it's Luke 21. We're going to read from, I'm going to read from verse 1 to, to 4. See, Jesus looked up and saw the rich pouring their gift into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting two small, two small copper coins, and he said, Truly I tell you, you, this poor widow has put in more than all of you. For they all contribute what they have in abundance, but she is out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. See, when we give out of a lot, it's just easy. We have a lot to give, so it's easy. But hard is when we give out of nothing. And I'm not trying to pressure you to give. That's not what I'm doing, you know. Because giving is a response from our heart, just believing what God had already given to us. See, this widow mentality, it wasn't like this. Um, if I had more, I would give more. Her action was, I have everything, so I'll give everything that I have. I'll give as my response to him. See, God works in different way as we do. His economy, his way to deal with money is different. He doesn't actually value the money. He values our faith. He values what we give. You know, so we know that is a faith giving when we know that God can do through our money to the church. So if you have your money, prepare. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to watch your video telling all the announcements. Okay? Close your eyes um, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning and for this offering. And knowing that we are doing everything that we can to be your hands and feet. We are helping people. We are building your church. We're here. And we bless everyone that is given, and we bless everyone that is not. And if you bring in condition for them to give, and that's amen. That's the church. That's community. We thank you for everything, for this, all these resources that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Just check out the video, guys. Good morning, Lantana Community Church. My name is Jason Bates, and it's time for some announcements. Spring is almost here, and that means Lantana Community Church is in the midst of Easter season. This year, we're gonna be hosting two Easter services, one on Saturday, April 3rd at six, and the second one at the normal time on April 4th at 10.30. So we're gonna have plenty of room, so please invite a guest to come and join us for Easter celebrations choose one or the other to come and join us. You can also watch it online and continue to pay attention to social media for further Easter updates. Church, this is the last weekend to donate to Faith Promise. If you feel led to give, please do so. First time visitors, welcome. At each table, there's a barcode for you to scan and enter in information about yourself so that church can get to know you better. Please do so and turn that in. And if you do, there's a gift involved. So don't delay. And finally, church, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're looking for previous sermons, 
Look up Lantana Community Church on YouTube and podcast. That's all I've got for today. Now, let's continue worshiping our risen Lord and Savior together. Well, now I know how a pastor feels when he has to do everything. He's really offering announcements. And, right? It's like kicking the corner and go to the to had your the ball, you know. It's just like a soccer metaphor, which you guys, I don't think you guys got it because I couldn't explain straight. <laughs> um, well, before everything, I just want to thank the worship team as the worship pastor. I have to do that, you know. I'm kind of paid to, to do that. <laughs> I think they do an amazing job. And I just want to honor Gemma, her leadership, you know. And we, we're happy and glad to be here. And she's such an amazing girl. Had a bright future ahead of her. You know, I also want to thank Pastor Kolb for the opportunity to be preaching. He is on vacation. So I felt that I was forced to preach. You know, but here I am. <laughs> now, he, he asked me like a long time ago. But it was like, yeah. I said, yes. If you know me, you will know that I am a yes person. Even when I don't want to do it. I will say yes. And then after one minute, I was like, what am I doing? But, hey, he's amazing. He's a great pastor, great leader. And I like to honor his platform and what he's been teaching us and everything else. Um, I will turn this TV on. Just one second. Because I do have some slides for you all. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about me. I am a Brazilian, as you can see it. I look like a Lebanese. When I was in Australia, everybody was like, are you from Lebanon? I say, no. Yeah, but you look like a Lebanon. I say, no. I do not. I look like a Brazilian. You know? <laughs> but thank you, if you think about that. Um, I am Brazilian, born and raised, happy. Um, I am the youngest of three kids. So I have two older siblings. So this is my mom and the three of us. Right there. There you go. See, that's my mom. That's my older sister on the right side. And that's the middle, my middle sister, Stephanie, right here. And that looks like me. Yeah. Now, the next slide, it's Michelle and her family. See, beautiful. I do have a beautiful family, let me tell you. Uh, my, my old sister, her husband, Rodrigo, and their two kids, Gabriel and Rafaela. The next one is Stephanie and Claudio, which is doing the Brazilian ministry. Bravo, come on, yeah. And their three kids, Vinicius, Nicole, and Natalie. And now the last one, this is my family. If I didn't put my mother-in-law, I would be in trouble. So this is my mother-in-law. That's my wife. That's me, and as you can see, that's Nutella. She do believe she's the alpha of the family. She's like, she's a troublemaker, you know, let me tell you. She can, well, she's awesome. Let me, I'm just kidding. She's awesome. Um, I'm very happy. My family is awesome. I'm really happy to be here close to my sister. I've been far from home since 2009, to be honest. So I went back to Brazil for a couple for a couple years, but then I went to to United States. 
Um, in 2009, well, you know, you're going to know a, a, a little bit about me because they're going to tell my story as I'm, I'm preaching. In 2009, I was, let's say, officially called to ministry. Um, I, I was inside a church. Like, I pretty much was born inside a church. My whole family is Christian since the beginning. And for, for that period, I was, a, I was passionate about music. I always loved music. Uh, I did start playing late, but it was before that. And, and I felt that God was calling me to use my gift as a vocation for his kingdom. So I accepted. I was like, say, hey, here I am. Send me, send me. Oh, my wife is filming me. Oh, honey, thank you. You got my good side? Yeah. Uh, So in 2009, I went to California. Yeah, right here, close. Uh, Woohoo, California. There you go, honey, honey. And so I could study English, so I could go to Australia because I, I had to do the IELTS, which is like kind of the TOEFL. Uh, it was really tough, so I, I spent six months studying to do the test, learn a little bit of English. And this is like a funny story. So you do the, the writing test, the listening test, um, the reading test, and then the spoken. Well, the spoken is the, it's like two times the value. So my spoken was good because the other three was terrible. But my spoken was really good. And... I had like an interview face-to-face, it was nice. And then the, the, the lady asked me, who is your model? Who is like the person that you look at? And I, I felt like I, I was really nervous at the time. So what would be your, your answer? Like, well, Jesus. Obvious, obviously, Jesus. My answer was Tom Cruise. I really don't know why I said that. And she looked at me, really? I say, yes, I think he's a very good actor, you know. I didn't know what to answer. That's what came out of my mouth that moment. You know, it was terrible. Well, I did pass, though, so bravo. It was, it was good. So she gave me, like, more points in my interview, so, so that was nice. Uh, so after that, after Australia, so 2010, I went to Australia, spent three years studying at Houston Leadership College. Went back to Brazil for my home church, Central Church of Nazarene. I spent, I got married, found my wife. Yeah, she found me, though. It was easy to find me than find her, so, you know. They look at me like, ah, that good big guy over there. And so she, we got married. We spent four years at Central Church, and then we came to Florida. We spent three, uh, two years, almost two years and a half in Florida, and now we're here, Lantana Community Church. And we are very, very excited. You guys are amazing. You know, and thank you so much for bringing me close to my family. And I do believe God has something amazing for us. Really, I do. I feel like every Sunday is, is just like a confirmation of um, it's things that God is going to do through us here in this community. And I believe it's not going to be through this community. I'm gonna, it's going to be much more. That's what I believe. And, and I know that uh, Pastor Call has this heart, is this passion as well. Um, now, we, we are in what we call the best season of Christian faith, to be honest, isn't it? Like trendy, dope, cool, which is Easter. 
Easter is like what it's all about. Like we do everything also to remember what Easter is. You know, we do egg, uh, egg, egg hunt. We have chocolate. We have gathering family, you know, put everything together. But also a part of is to remember what Jesus did. Also to remember his crucifixion, his resurrection, his sacrifice, you know. And that's what we're going to talk today is about his sacrifice, what he did on the cross, you know. Lent is that 40 days that Jesus spent on the desert before he was crucified. Now, we cannot as human fathom how much he suffered. We can watch the passion of Christ and like, whoa, that's, that's heavy. But we cannot understand. It's just beyond our human body could, could understand. See, but this 40 days for us as a Christian, we can try just a little bit to step in his shoes. To try to understand a little bit so we can have this, this confirmation, you know, of everything that he's, he's done for us. So I would like to everyone to open with me in the Bible. Yes. We're going to read this passage. Uh, the temptation of Jesus, which is Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. The reason why I chose uh, the book of Luke is he is amazing. I think he's the best storyteller in the Bible. I also believe he tells the story of Jesus like nobody else since the beginning, his lineage. And he humanized Jesus in the perfect way. He humanized Jesus as bringing the connection between humanity and Jesus. So let's read chapter 4. See, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, Jesus was in the Jordan because he was being baptized. He was fulfilling. See, in order for us, for Jesus to take the crucifixion, he has to go over some steps, and one of the steps was his baptism. So John Baptist baptized him, and then he went to the desert to spend a time with, with, with the Lord, with God. Um, verse 2, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I bet he was, like 40 days. Who wouldn't be? Two days would be enough for me. Actually, one day would be enough for me. Like imagine 40 days. See, one thing about fasting is uh, what the Bible says is a belief of when you take your flesh away, you just focus in your spirit. So when you focus in your spirit, you start to listen to the voice of God. Now, physically, what happens is when you stop eating, your whole body shuts down and it brings everything that you have a notch up. So it's like you actually you start hearing better. better. If you eat, you're going to taste better. If you smell, you're going to smell better because you take all the poison away. This is what happened. It's true. If you take, like, white flour of your day, you're going to see the difference. It's just instantly. So that's what happened. Like, Jesus was fasting, taking everything out of his mind just to focus completely on God. Now, in verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell, me, tell the stone to become bread. What I think is interesting is, it's not about the miracle of making the stone become bread. 
It's about taking Jesus out of his game. Imagine if he got the stone and becomes bread and he's hungry. What's he going to do? He's going to eat the bread. But the devil is trying to trick him. And then Jesus replied to him, man does not live on bread alone. So the devil goes forward. Uh, let him up to a higher place and show him the eastern all the kingdom of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all in their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Then Jesus replied, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Now the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God... Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. See, one thing that I straight away, when we finish, we can get as a thought. See, the devil will try, will try, will try, will try, will try, will try many times. If you stand your ground, if you are loyal to what you believe, if you're loyal to God, he's going to stop whatever temptation he's, he's making you uh, fall into it. See, the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us. So if he did it, we can do as well. So if there is any temptation, there is anything in your life that it's moral, that it's coming to you say, should I do that? Should I not do that? When you hold your ground, when you believe in, your, you believe in what God is telling you, see, the temptation is going to go away. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my calling. So, 2009, I was officially called for ministry. Uh, I was sitting behind my church. I was at the time already leading worship. I wasn't a good leader or a good singer. You know, I was working my way up and trying to learn. Um, and I remember I have a friend. Her name is Fernanda. She's like a woman of faith, like a woman of prayer. And every time that something happens, she will pray for me. She like God is, it's kind of like God has a very fast connection with her. And she was all the way to the other side of the church. And then... I, I, it kind of like I saw, and I look at her, and I saw she coming all the way around. My church is in Brazil is like a 3,000 people church, so it was pretty nice. So I saw she coming all the way. She sit next to me. She sat next, next to me, and can I pray for you? And she asked, can I pray for you? I feel like God wants to tell you something. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just please, if you want to tell, I'm going to hear. And as she was praying... God was telling me that was my time to go. See, two years before, my two sisters got married at the same day, 2007, correct? Six? Three years before, my sister, <laughs> they got married the same day. Hey, this is, this is there was just like a party, you know? Uh, and as my dad had passed away in 1996, uh, we, my sister and my mom, 1995, yes. I'm missing one year for both of them, 1995. Uh, God make us create a bond between the four of us really, really strong. My dad was really, really special. 
like an amazing, amazing guy. Even today, if I saw a picture, I will cry. It's, it was, it's like very emotional. And, and because we create that bond, for me to leave my house after my two sisters left because they got married, it was really tough. I had just finished my degree in physical therapy. So if you don't know, I am a physical therapist as well, which I'm not going to make massage on you. No, don't ask me. I don't like it. I like to recover people, not massage, you know, but the soul. And, and then as I was praying, as she was praying for me, my mind was like, uh, God, what about my mom? What am I going to do? I don't want to leave her alone. And that in the same instant, God answered and said, Bruno, before she's your mother, she is my daughter. I've been taking care of her for this whole time. It wasn't you. It was me. And I will keep taking care of her. So you don't have to worry about it. So to have an idea how tough it was for me, so I went to Australia. I went back and I would live with my mom again. I left my house at 32 years old. Like in America, this is a sacrilege, correct? Like if you don't leave at 18, it's just like, come on. I left my house at 32 years old and to get married with my beautiful wife, you know. And to be honest, just a, a sacrifice thing, Gabby was the first and she'll be the last person that I kiss. I wait 32 years for my wife. I was like, oh, I'm going to hold my ground right here. Now, I realized after I kissed her how long I lost because I love to kiss. So I told her, say, honey, we're going to spend years kissing because, hey, we're going to have to recover all the time. You know, I, I love it. It's so good. And <laughs> well, she said, yes, honey, I love to kiss you too. You know? So thank you. Now, one thing that we need to understand about calling is that it's not easy. And I'm not just saying the ministry side, every type of calling. There is different type of calling. There is calling to be a doctor. There is calling to be a lawyer. It's just calling is, is a general thing. But calling, in, in my sense, ministry-wise, ministry is tough. Not because of the ministry, but because of what you give up. My wife, she, didn't, she doesn't have the same calling as me. She didn't know she would travel all the way to the United States. When she got married, she didn't expect to leave her mother. See, her family is from the northeast of Brazil. They are really, really tight. They're crazy. If they have like 20 people on the table, they all talk at the same time, and they do understand each other. I don't know how, but they do. Now, my family is a little bit different. My family, we more quiet. One talk, the other, yeah, and then one sleep. And then one talk. This is it's just different. Now her, she had to give up everything. She had to give up her mother. And it's for her whole life, uh, her mother was single. She was created by her mother and her grandma. And then she had to move away. And it is tough. It is not easy, you know. And for me as well, like leaving her home, leaving Brazil, it was the hardest thing to do. In the past two years and a half, I lost two of three of my grandparents. Two of three. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't as close as I could be because when my family, when my father got married, my mom, they moved away. So they went to Sao Paulo. 
and my other grandparents stay in Brasilia. So it's just like 11 hours by car. But every year we went there. Every year we stay with my grandparents. So in 2019, and a 2.30 a.m. call, my mom called me crying that her father passed away. Now, three days ago, four days ago, my sisters called me at 3 a.m. as well and said, Bruno, grandma just died. So that's the hard part of the calling. That's the hard part of moving, of having a change. And that comes to my first point of this message. Sacrifice costs something. See, David, I'm going to read with you, and if you want to open, is Second Samuel uh, chapter 24. See, David, David, he did what God told him not to do. He actually counted uh, the number of people he has through all the tribes. And God told him not to do that. So God told him, David, as a punishment, you can choose what you want to what the type of punishment you want? He gave him three three choices. So David chose the third one, which is a plague for three days over all Israel. So only those three days decimated seventy thousand people. See, David was remorse; he was upset. And God as well. If you see in verse sixteen, I took a note here. God, when the angel stretched his arm out his hands to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved. Because of the calamity, and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough, withdraw your hands. So what happened is, God asked a prophet to tell David, hey, you need to build me a trashing floor, an altar, in order for me to forgive you. So that's what David does. David goes to his commander, which his name in English would be tough for me to say, but in Portuguese is Arauna. Or in Spanish, Arauna. So he asked the commander, hey, I know that you have a threshing floor. Can I buy your threshing floor? Now, David is the king. You don't sell anything to the king. So what the commander tell him, hey, just have it. It's yours. You're my lord. You're my king. Whatever you need, I will give it to you. So then David replied to him in verse 24. No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offering that cost me nothing. See, a sacrifice may be freely given, but it's not a genuine sacrifice if it doesn't mean anything to us. When we feel the pain of our sacrifice, we know that we are really giving something important up. For me and for my wife, our sacrifice, even today, and I would say as long as we stay here without our family, it will cost something. And every time that something like that happened, a midnight call, the pain inside of me is just, it's just unbearable. It's just, and my mom, she very emotionally um, distressed. I don't know if that's the word. So everything that happens because she does live alone. Everything that happens just takes her really bad. So imagine how we as a kid, we felt, we feel really, really terrible. See, one other thing that I want to tell you is 
in Samuel 15, we're going to read now 1 Samuel 15. Uh, it's another passage really interesting. God is actually rejecting Saul as a king. Because he tells Saul, Saul to go to the Amalekites and destroy everything. Kill everybody. He said here in verse, um, verse 3, now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belonged to them. Do not spare them. Put them, men and women to death, children and infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. I don't want anything, anything related to them. So what Saul does is what a lot of people would do. Uh, let me please the Lord. So what he does, he pretty much kills everything. But then he left the king alive. And as a spoil of war, he brings the sheep and he brings the cattle. But then he gives as a sacrifice to the Lord. So Samuel, that is there, God talked to Samuel and Samuel went to talk to him. And that's what uh, Samuel tell him. Does the Lord, in verse 22, does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And that's my second point. So my first point was sacrifice costs something. My second point is, sacrifice never replace obedience. Um, I feel, a few weeks ago, I was driving where I live, Lake Dallas. And I, I saw a, a, a man giving food to a dog, a homeless guy giving food. And that instant, I had a conviction of God telling me to give him food, give him something. But I didn't do it. I passed through with my car. What I did was I went to Popeye's to get food for my wife. So I was at Popeye's and got the food. I was happy, disobedient. When I left Popeye's, it was just one turn to go to my house. So I lost that turn. I was so upset I lost that turn. So I have to go inside the I-35, get out, turn all the way around. And come back. So that, that process was like 10, 30 minutes. When I saw myself, my car was standing next to the guy. I look at him and was like, uh -huh. <laughs> what a sense of humor, you know. So I opened the window. I got part of the food. And I said, hey, just, just have it, man. And, and I, I told my wife this. When I saw homeless, my heart breaks. But when I saw homeless with a dog, it's just triple. It's not because I love the dog more. Because imagine a homeless giving food for a dog. Can you imagine that? It's just he could have it for him because he doesn't have all the time. But he's giving. That is like, that's, like, that's love. That's really love. So I gave it to him and got my car, went back home. And I was really happy. Really happy. And I told my wife, said, honey, I did a good thing today. See, even on my disobedience, God fulfilled his plan. He didn't need me, but he gave me a second chance. And that comes to my point is, 
I was able, after my disobedience, to sacrifice my time to obey God. He knows better. Now, we can give everything. You can give everything. You can give all your money. You can give your youth, like spend years in the church. You can give up your time with your family. You can give everything. But if you don't obey his teaching, if you don't love, if you don't trust, if you don't honor your, your parents, your father, your mother, if you don't put God above all, it's not matter. It doesn't matter. You can sacrifice it all. But if you don't obey, if you're not somebody that day by day are walking and say, I need to be a better, I need to be a better me. I need to learn how to be a better me. If you don't do all those things, it doesn't matter. See, be careful not to take God's plan, place on his own plan for you. Joe Maxwell said, if you want to make God laugh, turn to him and say, God, don't worry. I can take care of it. You're going to make him laugh and say, <laughs> he thinks he knows all, but he doesn't. God sees the big picture. He sees everything. He sees it all. Uh, and this is the last story. This is like uh, something that happened with me in 1995 was when my dad passed away. I, we were traveling to Caldas Novas, which is a place that we go to vacation. And it's like a seven, eight hours trip. About five hours in, six hours in. I was sitting behind my dad. I had two cousins with me, my mom and my father. And my sisters were going to a campaign, which they call King's Kids, like a campaign to Christians. It's just, it's cool. It's like a summertime in Brazil. And eventually we stopped to eat something. We went to the toilet and everything else, blah. When we came back, my dad told me to switch place with my cousin. I was like, why? I was like 11 years old at the time, but I was like, why? There's no reason for it. And they like, I felt that you should switch places. So, okay. So I switched. I sat behind my mom. My cousin sat behind my father. And then we kept going the trip. Um, an hour later, we had a car accident. My father, my two cousins passed away. Only myself and my mom was alive in the car accident. Nothing happened with us. Like the left side of the car, uh, the truck passed through. It was nighttime, so the truck passed through uh, on the top of a, my, my father because my father was able to pull a little bit to the right when he saw it. And just my mom and myself were uh, alive after the accident. So in 2010, I was in, in California, and I was praying. that This is just a revelation that I have there. And as I was kneeling on the floor and praying, and there was a conviction in my heart so strong that I never had before. Because it just connect to the sacrifice of my calling. The conviction was, in order for me to be alive, somebody was sacrificing my place. I'm alive today because my cousin passed. Now, I don't take as a pressure. I don't. I know that my cousins are in a way better place. I know they wish to be alive. I know that. But I would be a fool if I don't take the responsibility and ownership what happened, the sacrifice that was necessary for me to be in ministry today.
for me to be here. And that comes my third point. The ultimate sacrifice was paid through Jesus. See, in Romans 3.25, God presents Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Through Jesus, through the shedding of the blood to receive by faith. The sacrifice of Jesus covered the sins of all people once and forever. Forever. His blood shed covered us that we don't have the penalty of our sins anymore. See, Jesus paid a price and he's forever going to pay the price for me and you to be free. For me and you to sin and repent. To sin and repent. His grace upon us. Now, how should we take that? Take him to Easter. Take him to our lives. How should we receive that sacrifice? My idea is, and what I believe is, I take ownership of his sacrifice. I take the responsibility what he did. And that's my question for you this morning. I even put on the slides. What is your sacrifice in this season? What is your sacrifice that costs something? That never replaces obedience. And that identified the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. What are you giving up? Can we all stand together? I don't know what you need to give up. I don't know what you need to sacrifice. I don't know. I really don't know what Jesus has done for you already. But you know better than anybody else. And you know better than anybody else what you need to sacrifice. This 40 days of Lent, well, I think we have two more weeks, if I'm not mistaken, to the 3rd and the 4th of, of April. If there is anything that you need to sacrifice, be your time. Be whatever. Just put in your mind. Just close your eyes. Just have a moment of reflection. What do I need you? What is my part to be? What do I need to take ownership and sacrifice to the Lord, to his cause? Jesus, thank you so much because you pay the price every day, every day, every day. Thank you because every day we can walk in in this freedom that your blood through the cross given us an opportunity to There is nothing better than live in a free country. There is nothing better than live in a place that you can do whatever you want to. But then you can choose to take the responsibility. You can choose to suffer within. You can choose to understand this. He sacrificed for all of us. 
we love you. Just bring us to our memory. If you're not today, during this week and next week, just bring to our memory. What can we sacrifice with you? Just to make your name be known. Just to help the community. Just to be your hands and feet in the city. In your name we pray. Amen.